Okay, so we're up to Daf Tzadi Zayin Amid Aleph, the last word in the front line, first line. So the, we said in yesterday's Daf that Mahona, a widow, can sell uh, can sell the land for her mezainus. The question is, how much land is she allowed to sell? Because she's only allowed to collect mezainus until she remarries. So could she sell for ten years? But she also shouldn't be able to sell for just a month. She should feel confident and have a little bit of a nest egg. So Ketzad Mecheres, what's the? How much could she sell? So Amrav Daniel Barav Katina Amravuna Mecheres Achas Lashnemasachoidish. She sells twelve months worth. She's allowed to sell up to twelve months worth of mezainus at a time. But she has to, but the payment has to be installments every 30 days. So let's say she sells enough lands for a year's worth of mezainus, but the guy only pays every 30 days. The reason being is that way, because if you pay in one lump sum and she remarries, it's going to be hard for the Arshim to get the money. They're going to have to take her to court. That way you do once every 30 days. So you pay the installments once every 30 days. And that way, if she remarries, then the next installment just goes straight to the Arshim. So you're allowed to sell 12 months worth. He says, no, you could sell 6 months worth, not more than that. So that machloik is Tani Gavaz de Ravuna. The Brisa backs up Ravuna that you could sell for a year's worth because the Brisa says, Mecheres, Hashneim, Hashachoydesh, Lekech, Mefarnes, Achashash, Yoyim. And Tani Gavaz de Ravuna. And we have a Brisa that backs up Ravuna that you could sell for 6 months only. Mecheres, Lashish, Hadash, Lekech, Mefarnes, Achashash, Yoyim. Omer Ameimar, what's the halacha? The halacha is that you could sell for six months worth only, which is following Rav Yehuda, not Rav Huna. So What about Rav Huna? Meaning, you're not going like Rav Huna. I don't hold like Rav Huna. I hold that you could sell uh, for uh, six months only. Okay. Boy, my name Rav Here's the Shaila. Let's say a woman sells, uh, Nalmana sells the last parcel of land for Mazinus. Could she then, the next day, take the land back, because there's a lien on the property, and collect the land for the Ksuba? So then Almana sells the land to John for Mazinus. It's the last land she has. Could she then turn around and take it from John? As because there's a lien on the property for the ksuba, what's the stadim of the shaila? So we paskin that the lien on the property, if the if the almana takes the lands for the ksuba, that person goes to the yarshim, goes to the yisoyim for payment. So over here, she should be able to sell the last piece of lands for the mezainus to John, and then a minute later take it back from John, as a payment for the ksuba and there's a lien on the property, and John will have to the go to the yisoyim. To collect, uh, to collect uh, his money back. So on the one hand, do we say that that's allowed? Or on the other hand, John can say, listen, I understand when I bought the land from you that there's a chance that the creditors might take it, but that you'll come around and take it. I, I, why was I supposed to expect that? Meaning it's not fair for the person who sells it to then uh, be the creditor itself. It's a rare occurrence where the almana herself is the one who's selling it and also the one who's the creditor to collect it. So perhaps that's not fair. So that's the Gemara Sashayla. When almana sells land and then it gets with a lien on the property and it gets collected, the one who has to pay for the person to, to reimburse the person is the Yasomim. So because 
if the if the land is is collected, the assignment are the one who has to pay. So the, here's the shaila. My kibun dachrayis ayasmi tarva. Do we say that because the assignment are the ones who have to pay, she should be able to collect the land? And if the assignment and if the guy wants his money back, he'll go to the assignment. Oi Dilma, or perhaps no. Matzi Amrli, that guy John who bought the land from her could say I understand why you're not responsible if other creditors take it, but for you yourself to take it. You're responsible for that, meaning it's not fair for you to sell me the land, and then you, you're goivet, that's not fair. You should be at least responsible for yourself, and, and, and therefore it's, it's not fair for you to take the land. So, the question is, can the woman, if she sells the last parcel of land for Bezaynas, can she collect that land as the ksuva payment? So, Amr well, the Brisa says, The halacha is, the Brisa says that she could sell the land Let's say her ksuba is worth $500. She could sell the land, but she has to leave over a parcel of $500 worth of land. And that last little bit of land, she has to remain unsold, and she'll get her ksuba payment from that last little bit of land. You see from the brysa that she only can get her ksuba payment if she leaves some land left over. If, however, she were to sell all the land, she would not be able to just then turn around the begoyvet, because if she could, then she should be able to say that. The fact that the brysa says that she should leave over the last bit of land as payment for the ksuva implies that had she sold that last bit of land, she would not be then able to turn around and take it. It would not be allowed. So the Gemara says, no. Perhaps, Dilma Perhaps, no, really, she could turn around and take it. So why does the Brisa not offer that as an option? Because the Brisa is giving her advice. If she does that, people are going to start saying that she's reneging on her deals. I mean, although technically it's allowed, but if she sells land and turns around and takes the land, she's going to get a bad reputation. So the Brisa is not saying you're not allowed to. The Brisa is giving it eight and not to, but really, technically, it's allowed. Perhaps. So the Gemara says, no. The fact that the Brisa says, the fact that Bryce says if she wants to collect her suba, she could be soimich on the last little bit of land implies that she cannot turn around. It's not just a good eitzah. She's not allowed to turn around and be goyve the land. So therefore, if she sells it, she can't turn around. And if she wants to be able to collect from the land, the halacha is she has to leave some of it over. Okay? The Gemara continues. It's interesting, Shaila. The halacha is like this. If I sell land... If I sell land to someone and I stipulate that the reason why I'm selling the land is because I need the money for a business venture and I stipulate that I'm only selling the land for this business venture and if this business venture were to fall apart, I would undo the sale. The halacha is, if the business venture falls apart, of course the sale is undone. It's a stipulation. Opposite extreme. If I sell the land and in my mind I'm selling the land for a business venture and the business venture falls through, I can't demand the sale be undone because it's not a mekach tois because that was just in my mind. The Gemara Shaila is as follows, according to Taisus. I sell the land and I tell the person I'm selling the land because I want money for a business venture. I'm not stipulating, but I'm telling them that that's my intention. And then the business venture falls through. So the question is, can I demand the sale be undone? I definitely verbalized that that was my intention. By the other hand, I didn't stipulate. So the question is, If I sell the land because I need money for a business venture, and the business venture falls through, can I demand the sale be undone? So, the Gemara says, let's bring a raya. There was a certain person 
who sold land to Rav Papa because he wanted money for a business venture. He wanted to buy a boat, whatever it was, and then eventually that business fell through. And what's the halacha? What did Rav Papa do? Rav Papa undid the sale. So you see that the sale can be undone because Rav Papa returned the money. So the answer is no. Perhaps Rav Papa was being a tzaddik, meaning perhaps you can't demand the sale be undone. Rav Papa was being a tzaddik, and, and Rav Papa was going but maybe perhaps you can't demand the sale be undone. So the Gemara brings a raya. Tashma, there was a famine. So the price of wheat was sky high. So people were selling their palaces in order to buy land. After they sold the palaces in order to buy wheat, wheat started coming in, so the price of wheat plummeted. So they sold land, and it was clear that their intention was to buy wheat, but it was no longer necessary. So they sold land for a business venture, business venture fell through. So what was the halacha? Halacha was, Rav Nachman said that the people who bought the palaces have to return the palaces, meaning the sale must be undone. So, so you see that if you sell a business, for if you sell land for a business venture, and the business venture falls through, you could demand the sale be undone. So the Gemara says, no. The answer is, over there it was different. Over there, they were selling the land because they wanted wheat. Over there, the wheat was already at the docks. Meaning, there's a difference between the business venture falling through in the future to the business venture falling through at the time of the sale. If at the time of the sale, the business venture was already falling through, in this case, the wheat was already accessible, they just weren't aware of it because it was right by the docks, so when the business venture was falling through at the time of the sale, that makes a mekach tois, and the sale must be undone. If, however, months later, you sold the lands for a business venture, and then months later, business venture fell through, you can't demand it be undone. Because at the time of the sale, you intended for it to be valid. So over there, in the case of Narda, the wheat was already accessible at the time of sale. So because the wheat was already by the docks at the time of sale, that's why the sale can be undone. But it's not something that could be applied to other scenarios. So Gemara says, I'll prove it to you. Now that you're telling me that the wheat was already on its way there at the time of the sale, now we explain the following back and forth. Again, Rav Nachman said that the palaces must be returned. If you're making them return the palaces, isn't it going to cause problems in the future sales that people are not going to want to buy buildings because they're going to say, oh, it's going to be undone. So why aren't you concerned about that? So Rav Nachman said, this is a crazy case. Having a drought is an uncommon occurrence and I'm not concerned that this undoing of the sale will lead to other uh, future business problems uh, people not buying businesses in the future. So what remember Shmuel said? He says, no, this was common. Now, according to this, now that we understand that the wheat was already accessible at the time, so now it makes sense that it was common. You're buying wheat, you're buying things for the wheat, and the wheat was already on its way. Okay, so it's not so crazy. But if you tell me that the wheat wasn't accessible, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, wheat started coming in, but it wasn't already at the docks, that's a strange occurrence. If you look at Rashi, Meaning, Rashi explaining that it must be that the wheat was already close by, which means that the wheat was, it's not such a crazy occurrence. 
if the wheat wasn't coming from a close by, it was coming from very far away, just happened to show up in the middle of nowhere, that's a crazy occurrence. So now it makes sense why Rabbi Rashmul called it a common occurrence. The Gemara continues, Hilchasa, what's the halacha? If you sell land for a business venture, and the business venture falls through, the halacha is you have to return the sale. Okay. So we know that an almana, a widow, can sell lands for two reasons, either for mezainus or for ksuba. So the question is, does she have to sell it in the presence of Bezdin? And is there a distinction about whether she's selling it for mezainus, which she needs right away because it's food, which you need right now, or ksuba, where you have time? So the Mishnah says, almana, bein mina erisin, bein mina nasuin, In almana, whether she's selling land after Erisin, meaning she's an Almana after Erisin, or whether she's Almana after Nesuin, both times where she's selling land, she can do it not in the presence of Bezin. What does that mean? So when a Almana after Erisin does not have Mezoinus, all she has is a Ksuba. So Almana min Erisin, i.e. Ksuba. So if she's selling lands for the Ksuba, or min Nesuin, which means for Mezoinus. So the Tanakam is saying, whether she's selling land because she wants Mezoinus, or she's selling land because she wants the Ksuba, the Halacha, she does not have to do it in front of Bezdin. We are not Machmer to make her go in front of Bezdin. Rav Shimon disagrees. He says, no, mina nesuin. When she's selling land after Nis- after she's an almana after nesuin, she was a full marriage. So when she's selling land, and now she wants mezainas, so because she wants mezainas and people, we don't want her to starve, and it's hard to get bezdin together. So that's mecher shaloi bebezdin. Mina But when she's collecting money, when she's selling money, and she's an almana after erisin, meaning she's not getting mezainas, all she's getting in exuba, so we'll make her wait. Because what's the big deal? What's the big deal? So she has to wait a little bit. It's a ksuba. She's, she's not dying. But, uh, so, which is mezainus. So, for mezainus, she could be meicher, uh, 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 which is for mezainus, she could be meicher, she'll be bezin. Which is just ksuba, she has to sell in the presence of bezin. Rav Shimon makes a lot of sense. Rav Shimon is saying, I understand that we'll be makele to sell it in, in, not in front of Bezdin for Mezainus because she needs food. But for, for, for Ksuba, why should we be makele? The Tanakam is makele by both. So the Gemara wants to know, I understand why everyone agrees she could sell for Mezainus not in the presence of Bezdin. Go to the next page. Elamina Erisin, but the Tanakam who says that she could sell after Erisin Ksuba, my time, why should we be lenient? Meaning, why is it that Tanakama allows her to sell for the Ksuba, not in the presence of Bezdin? So there's two reasons. Amr Ula Mashamchina. Ula says, first of all, Mashamchina, because we want to make women want to get married, and we want women to feel comfortable that they get their Ksuba. So in order to feel comfortable to get her Ksuba, we're going to allow her to sell it not in the presence of Bezdin. Rav Yechon Omar, he says a different reason. Adam Adam um, the reason being is because we don't want um, because in progress. So Rav Yechonon says it's the fishein adam roisa shetizbaza ishtei bebezdin. The reason why we allow her to sell her ksuba, sell land for her ksuba, not in the presence of bezdin, is because a husband doesn't want his wife to be mevaza. So the husband doesn't want her to have to go to bezdin. So the husband's Michael. So there's two reasons why we allow her to sell land for her ksuba when she's a widow after Erison, either because we want to incentivize marriage, we want women to feel comfortable to be able to marry, or because a husband doesn't want, doesn't mind, for his, doesn't want his wife to be embarrassed, to, to be mevuzah. So here's the kasha. The kasha is, what's the difference between these two? 
both of them are allowing a woman, both of them, according to the Tanakama, are allowing a woman to to sell for her ksuba, not in the presence of Bezin, either because we want to incentivize marriage or because a husband doesn't want his wife to be embarrassed. What's the nafkamid to the two? The nafkamid to is there's two types of women who are selling for the ksuba, either a woman who's a widow or a woman who's divorced. A divorcee also doesn't get mezainus, but she gets a ksuba. So the question is, can she sell according to the Tanakhama, not in the presence of Bezin? If the reason is because we want to incentivize marriage, so you want to incentivize marriage, but if the reason is because the husband doesn't want his wife to be embarrassed, she's a divorcee, he shouldn't care anymore. So the Gemara says, So the nafkamina between the two is whether the Tanakhama would say that a grusha can sell not in the presence of Bezin. So let's prove. Tanan, the next Mishnah in a few lines, it says, grusha that a grusha can only sell in the presence of Bezin. Now we're assuming that that's authored by the Tanakhama as well. And it means that <coughs> even though the Tanakhama allows a woman to sell not in the presence of Bezin for Iksuba, he does not allow a grusha to. So what's that's a raya? That's a raya that the reason why he allows it is because Einadam Rotzeshet is Bazayish to Bishuk, Bezin. The reason why they're allowed to generally is because they don't want his wife to be embarrassed. And a grusha baloch patle. There must be a proof to that opinion. The Gemara speaks it up. If the reason is because we want to incentivize marriage, then why can't the grusha sell it not in the presence of Bezin, assuming this is authored by the Tanakhama? So the Gemara answers very simply. The answer is that was not authored by the Tanakhama. That was authored by Rav Shimon. Rav Shimon never allows a woman to sell for the Ksuba not in the presence of Bezin. So of course he's not going to allow for a grusha to sell in the presence of Bezin. We've, we're trying to figure out what would the Tanakama say. The Tanakama, would the Tanakama be okay with the Grusha or not? The mission that says that a Grusha cannot sell, has to sell in Bezdin, that's following Rav Shimon. Because Rav Shimon never allows for a woman to sell a Ksuba outside of Bezdin. So the Gemara says, so what's the Chiddush? Rav Shimon, a Tanakama, so you're telling me that that Mishnah that says that a Grusha has to sell in Bezdin is following Rav Shimon. Boy, Rav Shimon always says that a woman can sell the ksuba only in Bezdin. So what's the chiddush? If he says a, woman, a widow after Erisin also only collects the ksuba, she has to sell in Bezdin. Now he says the grusha also has to sell in Bezdin. What's the chiddush? It's pretty posh. It's the Gemara says the chiddush is like this. The answer is the chiddush is that you might think that a, a divorcee who was fully married even Rav Shimon should allow her to sell outside of Bezdin. Why? Because while Rav Shimon normally allow, requires him to sell in Bezdin, perhaps a divorcee he would say is different. Because when in a widow, after Erisin, she was never fully married, so she's like, okay, it's hard for me to get my ksuba, but it's not a big deal. But a divorcee who was fully married, if women see that a divorcee fully married has to sell in Bezdin, people are going to say, oh, it's so hard, it's not worth getting married. So maybe Rav Shimon, although Rav Shimon normally requires you to sell it in front of Bezdin, maybe Rav Shimon would allow a grusha to sell not in Bezdin, because a grusha was fully married, so you might think that because she was fully married, even that, the Rav Shimon should be maida, that we're worried about chayim, that we want to incentivize marriage. So even Rav Shimon, who normally is not concerned about it, would be concerned by a grusha and would require a grusha to, would allow a grusha to sell not in presence of Bezdin. Kamash will no. So the next Mishnah, which says that a grusha has to sell in front of Bezdin, is not the Tanakama, and it's not a raya either way, because we're trying to figure out the Tanakama. It's Rav Shimon. And Rav Shimon says, that a grusha has to sell in front of Bezdin. So the Gemara says, don't I already know that according to Rav Shimon, a grusha has to sell in front of Bezdin? 
Hanami Tanina, doesn't it say in the Mishnah, Kol that Ein she has to sell in Bezdin, and Lasui Mai, what is that referring to? Lav Lasu Grusha, is that not referring to a Grusha? So I already know that a Grusha, according to Rishimon, has to sell in Bezdin. So doesn't that mean the next Mishnah is authored by the Tanakama? The answer is Loi. When the Mishnah says, it's not referring to a grusha, it's referring to a grushes, it's referring to a woman who had a suffolk gerishin, a suffolk gerishin, where you're not sure whether she's divorced or not, the halacha is that she requ- she she accepts mezainus, because she accepts mezainus, she's allowed to sell not in front of Bezdin, but we don't know what Rav Shem would say about a regular grusha, and that's why the next mission says a grusha has to sell in Bezdin. You have to give her mezainus, that's why she could sell outside of Bezdin. Okay, so we're trying to figure out, according to the Tanakhama, why is it that a widow after Erisin can sell for the Ksuba outside of Bezdin, either because to incentivize marriage, or because we don't want um, women to be embarrassed. So the Gemara says, Tashima, Keshem Shemecher Shalei Bebezdin. The halach is the same way a widow can sell outside of Bezdin. If the widow dies, her heirs can sell outside of Bezdin. Now, who are her heirs? Pashtas men. So you're allowing them to sell outside of Bezdin. Now, if the reason is to is because they don't want them to be embarrassed, it makes sense that a husband wouldn't want his wife to be embarrassed, and he probably also doesn't want his her heirs to be embarrassed. But if you're telling me that that the reason why we allow them to mar- to sell outside of Bezdin is to incentivize marriage, these are the heirs. The heirs are men. So what are you talking about? There's no incentivizing marriage for men. So the Gemara says. I understand that if the reason is we don't want her to be embarrassed, and that's why we allow her to sell outside of Bezdin, so that would extend to her relatives as well. But if it's to incentivize marriage, relatives are men. So the answer is, the answer is, the answer is, the case of her heirs are women. So the reason why they're allowed to sell outside of Bezin is to incentivize marriage. I, if they're men, what do we say? The answer is they're not men. The heirs happen to be, in that case, were women. Okay. So we said before we had a Machlegis Tanakama and Roshimin about whether a woman can sell uh, for her ksuba outside of Bezdin. Now the Mishnah takes it a step further. The sheet of Rav Shimon is that not only could you only sell for Mezainus outside of Bezdin, not for the ksuba, the is that Rav Shimon holds once a woman collects part of her ksuba payment, even $10, she no longer can get collect Mezainus. So once she collects part of her ksuba, she could only sell in Bezdin, according to Rav Shimon. Because once Rav Shimon holds, once she collects part of, Mezain, part of her ksuba, she can no longer get Mezainus. And Rav Shimon holds that... You, that a woman selling when it's not Mezayinus has to be in presence of Bezdin. So, i.e., if a woman collects part of her ksuba, she can only sell remaining land uh, in Bezdin. The Mishnah says, If a woman sells parts of her ksuba, so that's like collecting part of her ksuba, or or she uses part of her ksuba as collateral, or she gives away part of her The Allah Shimon holds that once a woman collects part of her ksuba, then she no longer can demand mezainus. Because she can no longer demand the mezainus, anything she's selling is for her ksuba. And if Shimon holds that when a woman sells for her ksuba, it has to be in the presence of Bezdin. The Chum disagree. They say, no, first of all, a woman can sell for her ksuba outside of Bezdin. But also they hold that when a woman sells part of her ksuba, she could still demand mezainus. Chum Mecheres yafil arba v'chamisha pavim. Mecheres l'mezayin shleib be bezdin. 
Then the Rabbanon say that when she sells for her Mezaynus outside of Bezdin, she should write that I'm doing it for Mezaynus. She should clarify what it's for because as we said in yesterday's daf, we don't want her to look as a fresser. We don't want people to think that she's selling part, you know, that, that we want to know exactly how much she's selling for her Mezaynus so that people know how much she eats. That people don't think she eats more than she does. It'll be hard for her to remarry. And a Grusha who wants a Ksuba can only sell land for her ksuba, in the presence of Bezin, either this is following Rav Shimon, or this is even according to Tanakama, as we had in the beginning of this Amun. So the Gemara speaks out, Masnis and Mani, who is the author of our Mishnah, that when a woman demands part of her ksuba, she can no longer demand the Zionists. Rav Shimini, the Tanya Machuk Suvasa, Mishka Suvasa, Suvasa, Putik Lach, Elam Zainis, Rav Meir. Rav Meir holds that if a woman demands her entire Ksuba, then she no longer gets Mazainis. But part of her Ksuba, she still could. Rav Shimon disagrees. He says, Abishle Machuk, Mishka Suvasa, Machsisa of the Mazainis. Rav Shimon disagrees. He says, No, even if she collects part of her Ksuba, she no longer gets Mazainis. It's a Machlekas of Shimon Rameir. If a woman collects part of her Ksuba, can she still collect the remaining? She could, could she still collect her Mazainis? So the Gemara asks Akasha. So you have a machlekes for Shimon Rameir, if a woman only collected part of her ksuva, so half of her ksuva is still owed to her, can she still get mezainah? So do we look at half of her ksuva is still owed to her as if the entire ksuva is still owed to her or not? So the Gemara wants to compare this to the following machlekes. We know that Kayin uh, Gadol has to marry a basula. Now a basula is technically a girl who's 12 to 12 and a half. Once the girl's 12 and a half and older, while she's still a virgin, she doesn't bleed as much, so it's considered a partial basula. So the shaila is, can he marry a partial basula? So the Gemara wants to compare it to our shaila, which is, she's owed partial mezayin, partial ksuba, is it as if she's owed the entire ksuba, and she could collect mezayinus or not? And the Gemara wants to compare the two and ask a kasha. So the Gemara says, Lememra, you see from here, the Rav Shimon Savar, the lawyer in the mixes kasa, kukul kasa. The Rav Shimon holds, part of the ksuva is not like the entire ksuva, meaning one, even though she's owed part of the ksuva, it's not like she's owed the entire ksuva and she can't collect the mezoinus. Rabban and Savri, I mean, it makes this kasev, the Rabban disagree, they say, no, part of the ksuva is like the entire ksuva. But it's the opposite. Rameir holds that once a girl is, is a begera, she's 12 and a half, a kain gadol can't marry her. Why? Because she only has partial basulam, and you need all of it. Partial is not enough. So how come by the ksuba? Partial owed ksuba is enough. It's like the entire ksuba is owed, and she could still collect mezainas, but by a basula it's not like that. And the opposite. Rav Shimon machshirim begeris. Rav Shimon holds that a girl who's 12 and a half because she's a partial basula, a partial is as a whole basula. So how come by ksuba, partial, mezayin, partial ksuba is not like the whole ksuba? So the Gemara answer is the Machlaikis by Basula is not partial equals whole. It's the part it's a machlaikis in Hadi Darsha and the Psukim. It's not comparable to other sugyas. The Gemara says, Hasan Bakraiplik over there, it's purely a machlaikis in Hadi Darsha and the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that a Kayan Gadl has to marry a girl that's Biv Suleha. The Machlaikis is how do you darsh in the word Biv Suleha? Because it could say Basula, but there's an extra yud and there's an extra base in the beginning. So the, this is how it's darshan. Rameir Savar, the word Basula, if it just said Basula, Filo mixes Basula. That would imply that she could be a Bogaris. A Bogaris would be good. Basuleha, the extra Yud, tells you Adika Kula Basulam. The extra Yud tells you that no, a Bogaris is not enough. 
the extra base in the beginning is Bikadarka and Shalai Kadarka Loi tells you that it's only a problem if she's a Basula, if she's not a Basula Kadarka. But if someone lives with her Shalai Kadarka, then she's still a Basula in Halacha. So over there it's a Machloikas, it's not a matter of partial Basuma, it's how you darshan the word Basuleho. Rivulaza Rashim in the opposite, they hold Basula Shlema Mashma. The word Basula on its own would imply a Bagares is no good. The extra Yud says, I feel a mix of It says, no, even a Bagaris is good. Even partial Basulim is enough. And the extra base tells you that it's a problem if anyone lives with her, both Kedarka and Kedarka. So the Machlaikis or Man or Shimon is not whether mixes Kikuloi, it's just how you darshan the, the word Bibsuleha by Basula. But when it comes to Ksuba, it's an unrelated Machlaikis. We'll stop here, pick it up tomorrow.